Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And today, I'm going to go with my review of AEW's Dynamite. Starting off the evening, man, we're going to our first match of the night. It is Orange Cassidy versus Jay Lethal. Number one, I thought this was a good opening matchup to start Dynamite last night, man. Back and forth matchup between Orange Cassidy and Jay Lethal with Orange Cassidy keeping the pace of the match. Orange then hits a tope, so is Cito on Jay Lethal on the outside. Satnam Singh is here. Best friends are here as well. It actually was kind of funny because you had Chuck Taylor, well, Trent Beretta on top of Chuck's t- uh, shoulders wearing this jacket to kind of, you know, see if he can, you know, be as tall as Satnam Singh, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, Jay Lethal then hits a drop kick on Orange using the steel steps. Looked absolutely brutal. Jay Lethal then is trying to injure the legs of Orange Cassidy. Jay Lethal then applies a figure four leg lock on Orange Cassidy, but Orange Cassidy breaks the hold. Orange Cassidy then gets up, hits a Stun Dog Millionaire on Jay Lethal. Cassidy then hits a DDT on Jay off the top rope. Orange Cassidy then hits a beach break on Jay Lethal for a near fall. Jay Lethal then goes for a figure four leg lock on Orange Cassidy, but Orange counters it with a roll up. Jay Lethal then ultimately hits the Lethal Injection on Orange Cassidy, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Jay Lethal. After the match, though, Sanjay Dutt is here. Sanjay asks Jay Lethal about his thoughts on Wardlow. Then Lethal calls out Wardlow. Wardlow makes his way down to the ring. Both, you know, Sanjay Dutt, Wardlow, and uh, Satnam Singh make their way out of the ring. And it looks like we're going to get a championship match between Wardlow defending the TNT Championship against Jay Lethal at Battle Battle of the Belts this weekend, man. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Looks like Jay Lethal's had a crazy weekend. He was also at Ric Flair's last match. He was in the main event teaming up with Jeff Jarrett versus Ric Flair and Andrade, which was a decent match at that. But uh, I'm definitely anticipating this match between Jay Lethal and Wardlow, man. This is going to be a really good match uh, with Wardlow defending the uh, TNT Championship against Jay Lethal at Battle of the Belts. And uh, the Orange Cassidy-Jay Lethal match, man, it was a phenomenal match to start Dynamite. Hats off to Jay Lethal for getting the win in that matchup. Moving on from that, we have the Undisputed Elite segment. Uh, Adam Cole makes his way out to the ring. Crowd goes crazy. Uh, first time we've seen Adam Cole in quite a while since his injury. Uh, Cole says that he's not 100% ready to compete yet, that he still needs some time. He also talks about the Trios uh, Tag Team Championship Tournament that's going to uh, take place at All Out. Uh, Adam Cole says, you know, like I said, he talks about the Trios uh, Championship Tournament that's going to take place at All Out. And Adam Cole tells the Bucks that they can't elite because Kyle O'Reilly is also uh, hurt. It looks like they're not going to pick Bobby Fish to, to uh, join the Young Bucks. So Adam Cole tells the Young Bucks they can't cannot compete in this Trios Tag Team Tournament. After that, Red Dragon... O'Reilly and Bobby Fish end up attacking the Young Bucks with the help of Adam Page, uh, Adam Cole. Adam Page then makes his way out to the ring to save the Young Bucks. Adam Page then extends his, uh, extends his hand out to Matt uh, Jackson to help him up. Matt Jackson then gets up. Adam Page and the Young Bucks kind of have a stare down a little bit, and then they all leave the ring. A couple of things I'm going to say about this segment, man. Number one, it was great to see Adam Cole come back, man. I think it's great to see him back um, after being injured for a little while. Um, but you know what, to be honest with you, man, I was kind of, you know, shocked that this happened. I really was. I mean, even the crowd, I believe there was a kid in the crowd, like crying profusely about, you know, what happened between the elite, um, and Adam Cole and stuff like that with the Bucks. And, uh, some people were happy about, you know, the elite splitting up. Some people were not happy about it. Me personally, man, I think it's, you know, time overdue, to be honest with you. And 
to be honest, I think this is the perfect opportunity to bring Kenny Omega into the fold. Uh, you know, he's been heavily rumored to re- be returning to AEW, and a lot of people are saying he's going to return it all out. I'm all for it, man. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, Young Bucks have been teasing, you know, Adam Page joining them as the elite again, you know, just from the being the elite episodes that are on YouTube. And it looks like it kind of came into fruition last night on Dynamite, man, with Adam Page showing up to save the Bucks. Could we see the Bucks, you know, the Bucks and Adam Page going up for the uh, Trios Championship titles? Absolutely. 100%. Now, could I see another team win it? Sure. You know, but this is the perfect time to fit Kenny Omega back into the fold. And not only that, even in this segment, Adam Cole called himself the leader of the uh, Undisputed Elite. News to me, but I mean, honestly, this could be setting up a storyline between Adam Cole and Kenny Omega relatively soon. Possibly at All Out. Who knows? So, I don't know, man. I think I think it was a good thing for the Undisputed Elite to kind of do their own thing and have Adam Cole and Red Dragon kind of do their own, you know, their own thing. I, I believe Adam Cole even filed a trademark uh, like months ago for, uh, I believe, a, a team name known as Paragon. Now, I don't, I'm not sure... If that's going to be the new name of their team, but I know they fought a trademark for the name of Paragon for Adam Cole and possibly Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. So that could be their new name moving forward. Um, Adam Page helping out the Bucks. I mean, it's been heavily rumored that, you know, Adam Page is going to reunite with the young Bucks, even from the episodes of being the elite. So I'm all for it, man. And to be honest with you, too, this trio's tag team championships, man, is going to be awesome. There's a lot of teams in AEW right now that can go after that trios championship. If I had to pick a trios team to win that championship for me personally, I would have House of Black, man. I think House of Black need to wear a championship gold. I think Malachi Black and what Brody King's doing and Buddy uh Buddy Matthews is uh they're doing a phenomenal job with House of Black, man. And I think Malachi Black definitely needs to have championship gold around his waist uh here relatively soon, man. He's been with the company for a little while now and uh I thought for sure He was going to win the uh, North Atlantic Championship for AEW. But uh, unfortunately, you know, Pac got that win, which I understand. I mean, Pac's been with the company since day one, since its existence. So why not give the championship to Pac? But, you know, the Trios Tag Team Championship, man, I'm hoping that the House of Black ends up getting the win and become the new first ever AEW Trios Tag Team Champions. But definitely look forward to what's going to happen next with the Undisputed Elite, man, and what's going to happen with Adam Cole and Red Dragon as well as what's going to happen with the Young Bucks and Adam Page. How is Adam Page going to fit into the fold with the Young Bucks, vice versa? You know, are they going to team up to go after the Trios Championship? Man, it's definitely insane to see, but I definitely look forward to what's going to happen next with Adam Cole and Red Dragon, as well as Adam Page and the Young Bucks. After that, we move into our next match of the night. It is Thunderstorm versus Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. I thought this was a phenomenal match, man, for a women's matchup. I really did. Uh, This tag team match was awesome. It was a really good match. Back and forth matchup between Thunderstorm and... Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker with uh, Hayter and Baker keeping the pace of the match. Rosa ends up hitting a step-up enziguri on Britt Baker, but Jamie Hayter ultimately hits a devastating lariat on Tony Storm, pins her for the three, and your winner winners of the match, I should say, are Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. A couple of things I'm going to say about this matchup too, man. Uh, number one, you know, Thunderstorm I think is a great tag team. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks back, man. Uh, it does look like AEW might might possibly be adding women's tag team championships. And I know a lot of people are against it. And to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of them having a women's tag team championship either. I I don't think they have enough women right now to fill that roster to have tag teams right now, in my honest opinion. 
Uh, the other big news as far as the women's side of AEW, uh, Tony Khan, you know, they brought in Madison Rain to be a head coach for the women's division on AEW, man, which I think is absolutely phenomenal uh, for AEW, especially the women's division. Uh, a lot of people don't know who Madison Rain is. She spent a lot of time, majority of her career over in Impact Wrestling. She's had a lot of notable, notable matches over there. Um, and then, you know, Tony Khan bringing her into the fold with AEW and kind of, you know, taking control, if you will, of the uh, women's roster on AEW, I think it's phenomenal. And to be honest with you, it's also something that kind of helps out Tony Khan. I think Tony Khan had a lot of, you know, has a lot of weight on his shoulders. I mean, he's practically running two companies at, you know, simultaneously. He's running Ring of Honor and he's running AEW. You know, he's also doing Rampage, you know, AW Dark, AEW Elevation. There's a lot on that man's plate right now. So to bring in Madison Rain to kind of pull in the reins, if you will, for the women's division and kind of take control of the women's division and make it better, possibly, I'm all for it, man. It lightens a load for Tony Khan where Tony Khan could focus more on EW Dynamite and possibly Ring of Honor because nobody knows what Ring of Honor is doing right now. There's no TV deal that's imminent right now for Ring of Honor, so it's still up in the air for Ring of Honor. Uh, but I think it's a, I think this is a good thing, man. You know, a lot of other people got more responsibilities too as far as talent relations, Tony Schiavone, uh, Sanjay Dutt, I believe Excalibur, and some other names, uh, QT Marshall, got a little bit more responsibilities uh, with AEW, which I- I'm all for that, man. I mean – and I'll get to it at the end of this podcast, but, you know, obviously what, you know, Hunter is doing over in WWE right now, and he's, you know, head of you know, talent relations and head of creative, you know, obviously, you know, Tony Khan's going to pay attention to that. There's no way that you're not. And a lot of people even now are anticipating Raw and watching Raw and anticipating watching SmackDown and anticipating watching NXT. And that wasn't the same thought process 10 years ago, hell, even five years ago. You know, a lot of people didn't even care to watch Raw nor SmackDown because how it was being run creatively. Now when you got Triple H in the fold and what Triple H has done even for NXT for seven years, eight years, you know, NXT was phenomenal. It was probably one of the best, if not the best wrestling promotion, wrestling company in the world at that time. I mean, yes, it was under the WWE umbrella, but I feel as if it was its own private entity that was completely different than what WWE's main roster was doing 100%. So, I mean, if you can picture what Triple H did for, you know, NXT with a limited roster, you know, a whole, not a whole lot of financial backing. And he made those shows work, man. Those takeovers were absolutely phenomenal television, man. And having Mauro Ronaldo on commentary to sell those matches, was just absolutely poetry in motion, man, between, you know, Triple H and Mauro Ronaldo selling these matches to the fans that are watching worldwide, man. It's absolutely phenomenal. So now that Triple H is on the main roster and he has control of creative throughout the entire Raw, SmackDown, NXT roster, man. It's going to be absolutely insane. So I'm pretty sure Tony Khan's paying attention. And to bring in Madison Rain, I think it's going to help him out a lot more. And hopefully we get more better storylines, better matches on AEW, man. Because now, in my honest opinion, I think AEW and WWE are finally going to be competing head-to-head here relatively soon. And I'll get into that towards the end of this podcast. But hats off to Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker for getting a win in that tag team matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is Will Hobbs versus Ren Jones. This was a glorified squash match. Uh, the one interesting thing I'll say about this matchup before it even gets started uh, was Taz on commentary. Taz did officially announce that there will be no more team Taz. Will Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Hook, Taz himself are all going to go their separate ways. And that was the end of Team Taz. And to be honest with you, man, I'm not. I'm happy that it's over to be honest with you, for Team Taz. I don't really think there was much more for Team Taz to do as a collective unit. 
And uh, with Will Hobbs turning on Ricky Starks, this is only going to elevate Ricky Starks as an, probably one of the number one baby faces right now for the company. And uh, and rightfully so, man. Ricky Starks is a phenomenal talent, future TNT world champion, future world champion, and a, a guy who's going to be a pillar for AEW in the future, 100%. Will Hobbs, I mean, the guy's a powerhouse, man. You know, they, they call him powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, this guy, <clears throat> for me personally, he reminds me of Butch Reed and Bobby Lashley. Which to me, Butch Reed was severely underrated throughout his career. I mean, the tag team that you know Butch Reed was in with Ron Simmons with uh, Doom, with Theodore Long being their manager, was a phenomenal tag team, severely underrated, in my honest opinion, in WCW. And uh, Butch Reed had a phenomenal career, man. That was severely overlooked, in my honest opinion. Bobby Lashley, I mean, Bobby Lashley, that guy is a giant, man. That guy's a unit. You know, United States champion, former Intercontinental champion. I mean, Bobby Lashley, I mean, that dude, he's a unit. And that's exactly what we're getting with Powerhouse Hobbs. And now that the team task is splitting up, this gives more opportunities for Powerhouse Hobbs to have his singles run, to go after championship gold, as well as Ricky Starks, man. So I'm all for it. Uh, the match, though, with Ren Jones versus Will Hobbs, it was a glorified squash match, man. I mean, Hobbs was keeping the pace throughout the entire match, with Hobbs ultimately hitting the finish on Ren Jones. Pins him for the three, and your winner of the match was Will Hobbs. After the match, Ricky Starks is here. Ricky ends up attacking Will Hobbs, but Will Hobbs ultimately finishes the attack and pretty much destroys Ricky Starks to kind of send a message to Ricky Starks. So uh, I definitely think we're going to get a match between Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. I don't know if it's going to happen at all out. It could happen in two or three weeks. Who knows? But I definitely think there's going to be a match somewhere, some, you know, somewhere down the line between Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Uh, moving on from that, though, we go into our next match of the night. It is Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage. I thought this was a good matchup. Back and forth matchup between Matt Hardy and Cage with Matt keeping the pace of the match. Matt then hits a superplex off the top rope on Cage. Matt and Christian Cage both exchange. Matt then hits a side effect for a near fall. Matt then hits another side effect off the apron on Christian Cage. Hardy then goes for an elbow drop off the apron but missed and went through a table that was ringside. Then Cage capitalizes on this, hits a kill switch on Matt Hardy, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Christian Cage. After the match, though, Christian grabs a uh, chair from underneath the ring. He goes to hit Matt Hardy with the chair, but Luchasaurus, music hits, he makes his way down to the ring, causes a distraction. Then Jungle Boy uh, gets in the ring, tries to attack Christian Cage, with Cage being distracted, but Cage ended up getting out of there before Jungle Boy can attack Christian Cage. But... Again, man, this Christian Cage and Jungle Boy stuff, man, it's a hell of a story going right now for AEW. I can't wait to see Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy in some kind of match here soon. And uh, hats off to Christian Cage for getting the win over Matt Hardy. Moving on from that, we have an Ethan Page segment. Ethan wants to know why he's not being booked regularly on AEW television. Stokely Hathaway makes his way down to the ring. Ethan then mocks the fans, say that the fans don't buy his merchandise, so on and so forth. Stokely then hands Ethan Page a business card, and it looks like Ethan is joining forces with Stokely Hathaway. They, mo they both make their way back up to the ramp, and it looks like Stoke Stokely Hathaway is trying to build his own team. He also gave a business card to Lee Moriarty not too long ago as well, so maybe Stoke uh, Stokely Hathaway is trying to get his own little stable going in AEW and possibly not just work solely with Jade Cardgill. So definitely see, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to what's going to happen next with Ethan Page. Is Ethan Page even associating himself with Scorpio Sky anymore? Is Ethan Page doing his own thing? 
as well as Scorpio Sky. Are we done seeing Dan Lambert and the American Top Team in AEW? Hopefully so. I mean, I was not never a big fan of seeing Dan Lambert and the American Top Team in AEW. That needs that, you know, I feel like UFC MMA needs to be its own separate entity, not into AEW. Uh, and and Dan Lambert tried to pull this stuff before when he was over in Impact Wrestling and Bobby Lashley was training under American Top Team, so it was Colby Covington. It was just a mess, man. I, I do not want to see that on AEW television, in my honest opinion, but definitely look forward to what's going to happen next with Ethan Page and him possibly working with Stokely Hathaway. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is a dumpster match. It is Gun Club versus The Acclaimed. This was an awesome match, man. I mean, not only that, you have, you know, the acclaimed paying a little homage to, you know, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie when they came out uh, with the dumpsters and actually threw the gun club uh, through. I, I believe they were going up against New Age Outlaws, uh, Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack ended up throwing the dumpster off the stage structure down below with the New Age Outlaw in the dumpster. It was absolutely a great moment. Uh, this match itself between Gun Club and Inclaim, man, it was an awesome match. Back and forth matchup between the Gun Club and the Acclaimed with the Gun Club keeping the pace of the match. Gun Club then hits a powerbomb. Powerbombs Bowens through the dumpster. Maxton throws Austin off the stage structure into the dumpster as well. Maxton hits a mic drop off the top rope, off the top of the stage structure through a table. Acclaimed then throw Gun Club into the dumpster, and your winners of the match are the Acclaimed. After that, the Acclaimed end up throwing the dumpster off the stage structure with the gun club inside the dumpster, man. Like I said, paying a little homage, if you will, to Terry Funk, Chainsaw Charlie, uh, a.k.a. Chainsaw Charlie, and uh, Cactus Jack. So it was a great moment, man. It was it was a really decent match. Uh, obviously, the Acclaimed are definitely over in AEW, man. The fans love the Acclaimed. And uh, you know, it's, just, it's one of those tag teams, man, that, you know, at first you didn't know what you were going to get with Max Caster and Anthony Bowens as far as a tag team. And I, I mean – Kind of had the same deal with Private Party, man. I mean, Private Party had really phenomenal matches over at House of Glory. And then when they came into the fold of, you know, AEW Dynamite, not a lot of people knew who, you know, Private Party was. It was kind of the same deal for me, at least, with uh, with the Acclaimed. Now, the Acclaimed right now, I think, is one of the best tag teams AEW has. Not the best, before y'all get crazy, man. Not the best tag team. But they're definitely up there, man. They're definitely top contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Um. But again, I will reiterate, they're not the best tag team on AEW, man. To me, in my opinion, it's 100% FTR, even though they don't hold AEW Tag Team Championship gold right now. I still think FTR is probably one of the best tag teams in the world right now, in my honest opinion. But the Acclaim, man, they're a top contender for the belts. And uh, everybody loves their gimmick, man. They grab, you know, Max, Max Caster grabs the microphone, cuts a freestyle. Anthony Bowens, you know, he kind of... Hypes up Anthony uh, Max Caster, if you will, man. It's a great tag team, man. I, I love the gimmick. Uh, they're a great tag team, and I look forward to seeing what they're going to do next and possibly go after AEW Tag Team Gold, man. So hats off to the acclaimed for getting the win in that matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is the main event. It is Wheeler Yuta versus Chris Jericho with the winner faces John Moxley for the AEW Interim Championship. This was a great match, man. Number one, you know, obviously Jericho comes down to the ring with the JAS. Wheeler comes out to the ring, and then all of a sudden, Claudio's music hits. He makes his way down to the ring to back up Wheeler Yuta. Back and forth matchup between Wheeler and Jericho, with Wheeler keeping the pace of the match. Wheeler and Jericho then both exchange. Wheeler then hits multiple German suplexes on Jericho. 
Jericho then applies a walls of Jericho on Wheeler, but Wheeler breaks the hold. Wheeler then goes for a top rope maneuver, but Jericho counters with a code breaker. Jericho then applies a lion tamer on Wheeler Yuta. Yuta taps out, and your winner of the match is Chris Jericho. <clears throat> a couple of things I'm going to say about this main event, man. Number one, this was a decent match, man. It really was. This was a solid event between Wheeler Yuta and Chris Jericho, with Jericho applying a lion tamer, which we haven't seen in quite a while, man. On Wheeler Yuta, Yuta taps out, and Jericho gets the win. In all honesty, I knew Jericho was going to win. You know, get the win. Smart money was Jericho versus Moxley. You know, Moxley already called out Jericho, wanted the uh, the old school Jericho, if you will, Lionheart. And I'm all for it, man. I, you know, what Jericho's been doing in AEW that I think is awesome is number one, Jericho is phenomenal in reinventing himself. Every place he goes, every time he wrestles, he's always reinventing himself, no no matter what. I think Jericho is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Not just for that solely, but even his wrestling ability, man. Jericho is definitely a Hall of Famer, 100%. And, uh, you know, not not too late, you know, not too while ago, we had the Paymaker return between, you know, Jericho and Eddie Kingston. And a lot of people have been calling Jericho out and wanting something old from Jericho, like the Painmaker. Now you have Moxley calling out Jericho, but Jericho, Moxley wants, you know, the Lionheart Chris Jericho, the Chris Jericho that studied under, you know, Stu Hart and, you know, was in the Hart Foundation, you know, not the Hart Foundation, but the, uh, you know, training under Stu Hart and being in the uh, the dungeon, if you will, training with all the hearts and stuff like that. I, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards that. And I think, it, you know, to see Jericho take a step back and maybe go 20 years back in time and be, you know, WCW Chris Jericho for 20 minutes. I mean, could Jericho do it? Yeah, possibly. Do I think Jericho's going to beat Moxley? Hell no. No way, man. The smart money is to see CM Punk versus John Moxley. And a lot of people are trying to figure out what Punk's going to be doing next. Punk is going to, I mean, he's going to be booked when he comes back. Obviously, you have the John Moxley situation with him being interim champion. CM Punk never losing that championship, but vacating the championship because of injury. So that match already writes itself. Then, you know, you also have to throw in MJF. Is How is MJF going to fit into the fold? Is he going to return to AEW? MJF has been off the scene, man, since he cut that pipe bomb on Tony Khan, which was absolutely awesome. Haven't heard a word from MJF, nothing at all. No promos, no segments, no backstage interviews, nothing. For a while now, ever since he cut that pipe bomb. So who knows how MJF is going to fit into the fold with AEW, especially with this whole CM Punk thing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get into, like I talked about earlier, man, was there's been a shift in professional wrestling, man. I mean, Vince McMahon, you know, retiring, stepping down, Triple H, you know, having head of, you know, taking control of head of, of creative and talent relations. How does this play into Tony Khan? And the reason why I'm saying that is because constantly it seems like Tony Khan is doing interviews, whether it's Busted Open Radio or, you know, any other radio station out there that's giving an interview to Tony Khan. And now Tony Khan's being asked, you know, do you see what Triple H is doing over in WWE? How do you feel about Hunter? So on and so forth. And I'm sure at, at times it could be aggravating. But as a fan and somebody who does this podcast, you had to pay attention to what really the hell was going on here. I mean, WWE Raw and SmackDown was in shambles, man. I mean, shambles. It was awful to watch. And it got to a point where, you know, it was just brutal. It was the same shit you got every week. It was rinse and repeat every single damn week. And, you're wondering, like, man, when the hell am I going to get a change in creative 
or a change of scenery, if you will, on Raw and SmackDown. It was literally the same damn thing you got every single week. Rematches after rematches after rematches. Now Triple H comes into the fold. Vince McMahon steps away. Bruce Pritchard is now not involved in creative as heavily as he was until Triple H came in. Now Triple H came into the fold, and you look how great SummerSlam was. Now I'm not saying it was the greatest SummerSlam of all time, but SummerSlam was a damn good show, man. From top to bottom, it was a damn good show. Not only that, we get two returns, man. We get Bailey returning from injury. We get Dakota Kai, who was released from by Vince McMahon a couple months ago, and Io Shirai, who's now making her main roster debut. I mean, this man just came into the fold with WWE and it already brought back Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Shirai from NXT up to the main roster. I mean, come on, man. Vince McMahon let these people go. I, well, especially, I'm, I would say them and, you know, people in general. I'm saying Dakota Kai. Gone. You know, so, and a lot of people have a lot of faith in Hunter and Triple H. A, a lot of people do. So it does beg the question, well, there's a lot of former WWE talent that's on AEW they might jump back over to WWE. Maybe. But at the same time, too, some of these, you know, Adam Cole, for example, are locked into five-year deals with Tony Khan. I don't think Adam Cole's contract comes up until 2027. And a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff can change with WWE in seven in five years. You know, and vice versa. Same thing with AEW. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, we're all SmackDown's back. You know, Tony Khan and AEW should go bankrupt. And there's no way, man. No shot. Because there are certain WWE wrestlers that wrestle for WWE and that have no aspirations of going back. And I, I touched based on this, you know, last week with FTR. You know, FTR obviously went, went to AEW from WWE, but look how they were treated, man. Now, credit Vince McMahon was taking control of WWE at that time. But look what FTR did in their run in WWE compared to what the hell they're doing now. I mean, right now, man, they're making so much goddamn noise, it's unreal. Seriously. Just for tag team wrestling alone. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't even like tag team wrestling, and FTR is putting that on the damn map. I mean, look at the look at the look at the titles they won, man. I mean, from Ring of Honor tag team champions to AAA tag team champions. I mean, come on, that's just to name a couple tag team championships they won: AAA, Ring of Honor. I mean, come on. What more do you want? Those guys have been one hell on a hell of a tear. Since he's been with AEW and putting on phenomenal matchups. I mean, Ring of Honor's last show, Death Before Dishonor, they had a rematch with the Briscoes. Phenomenal show. Phenomenal rematch. You know, match of the year candidate. You know, now the Briscoes signed on full-time for Ring of Honor, which we don't know what the hell Ring of Honor is going to do, and I'm going to get to that quickly in a second. But, you know, it, some of those people that went over to AEW, man, it might not be a good idea for them to go back. They were already making a bigger name for themselves working with AEW. And not only that, they have more control over their own creative freedom. Something that WWE might not guarantee, even with Hunter running the helm at for Raw and SmackDown, for WWE. It might not happen. You know, maybe Vince McMahon left a sour taste in a lot of people's mess, a mouse that they let go. That they're like, the hell with WWE, I don't want to go back. <clears throat> or if they want to go back, you damn right they're going to be, you know, talking about more money and less TV time or more TV time. You know, it's the same thing with Tony Khan too. Tony Khan's gonna have to compete with that man. He's gonna have to open up the fuck, you know, open up the checkbook and see what the hell's going on and, and, and sign these people for longer deals and more money. That's what's gonna have to happen because you know damn well Triple H is gonna be, hey, you know, we're gonna sign you for this amount of dollars and you're gonna be working this amount of days and yada yada yada. You know, and you know damn well that Triple H is gonna be going after the AEW talents hard, man. 
whether it was former WWE talent or current AEW talent that's never wrestled for WWE, but it's made a hell of a name for themselves. People like Sammy Guevara, people like Wardlow, people like MJF. You know, they're going to make, that already made humongous names for themselves alone working under Tony Khan and being with AEW. The other thing quickly too, man, is Ring of Honor. What the hell is Ring of Honor doing? Are we going to get a TV deal? Are they going to be joining with Time Warner? Who the hell knows, man? I mean, you have the Briscoe signed to an exclusive contract for Ring of Honor, but there's no TV deal that's imminent. Nobody knows what the hell is going on with Ring of Honor. You know, I heard rumors, you know, a few months ago, maybe they'll be a part of HBO Max as a streaming service so they could put their Ring of Honor library on HBO Max. That's a possibility as well. Nobody knows, man. I'm happy that Briscoe signed an exclusive deal with Ring of Honor, but there's no TV deal, man. Nothing. And not only that, with doing the Ring of Honor pay-per-views, there's no build for these damn matches until like two weeks in. And it's very small build leading up to these matches. Prime example, the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view they had was Mercedes Martinez versus Serena D for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Women's Championship. No build. Really, hardly any build. Literally. They need more time to build the storylines for Ring of Honor. As I'm hoping, even with the AEW Dark and Elevation talent, maybe they can move that talent over to Ring of Honor, make it your developmental program, and put on phenomenal you know matches for the fans, man. But right now, I have no idea what Ring of Honor is doing. But this is my review of AEW Dynamite. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful, and remember, stay classic. Peace.